Good morning. So good to see you here. Give the worship team one more hand. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you, team, for this great worship, leading us into worship. I actually feel like y'all kind of found out about my funeral playlist. I don't know if you do, but I have a, already prepared my funeral playlist on Spotify. And almost all the songs were the ones that you guys were singing. And How Great Thou Art is the one, the number one favorite of my hymns. It's just the words just speak to me so much. So usually in your funeral, you don't get a chance to hear it. So thank you. I appreciate that. We've been going through the book of Acts, and what a journey, what a wonderful journey it has been to learn. And the title is Acts of the Apostles. It actually should be the Acts of God and this missionary God, because it's primarily a book on missions, going through and seeing the church doing what God designed the church to do, the church on a mission and a church going and doing missions. And as it's doing missions, then disciples were made, churches were planted, and we see the development as that. And one of the characters that rises up is Paul. The first chapters from chapter 1 to chapter 12, Peter is the main character. From 12 forward, Paul, or also known as Saul, is the main character. And some have said quite correctly that outside of Jesus, he is probably the most, the most interesting and the most prominent missionary that we've seen and we see in the Bible. And the Apostle Paul while he was on his third journey around A.D. 56, Paul wrote, Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. Are you tired yet? Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Would you say that Paul has had his share of storms in life, both in a literal and a figurative sense? Did he give up in the middle of a crisis? Would you? Warren Wiersbe said, a crisis does not make a person. A crisis shows 
what a person is made of. Let me say that again. A crisis does not make a person. A crisis shows what a person is made of. And what is Paul made of? What, is, what keeps him going in the middle of the storm that he will not stop, he will not give up, he will not say, I've had it. And we see that the Apostle Paul keeps proceeding towards the goal, proceeding towards the goal. And our uh, text this morning is Acts 28, and we'll pick up on verse 17 and keep the chapter, uh, the passage open. We'll refer back to it. Acts 28, starting in verse 17, it says, After three days he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, Although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because of the Jews, the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. And listen, for this reason, I was I asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Then he said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you, but we want to hear what your views are since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them or convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses, and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, he began to leave. Uh, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through prophet Isaiah, and this is Isaiah 6, When he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. And this is the statement that made them turn away. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And once they heard this, some turned back. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for examples 
of men like the Apostle Paul. They were not perfect by any means. In fact, he was a murderer. But you changed him. You transformed him. And in the middle of crisis after crisis after crisis, insurmountable difficulties, storms in life, he kept proceeding towards the goal. He kept proceeding towards your goal for his life. May we learn these lessons. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As mentioned, a crisis shows what a person is made of. And what is Paul made of? What are the things that kept him going? One of the first things is that the Apostle Paul feared the Grand Weaver. He had a fear for the Grand Weaver. Another way to say God. He's the one that weaves everything. It's not a cliche to say that history is his story. Sometimes he is behind the scenes weaving the different things. Some of the threads are difficult ones. Some are not so difficult, but he's weaving behind the scenes other times in a way that we can actually see. But I, I believe that most of the times we don't see what the grand weaver is doing. But Paul feared him, meaning that he knew him in an intimate way and he worshipped this grand weaver. Romans 8, 20, 28, 29 tells us, we know that all things work together. And in some translations, says that God works together in all things or weaves all things together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you notice that in verse here, Verse 20, that he said, I am in chain because of the hope of Israel. He didn't say about a hope, very definite. The hope of Israel. Israelites were waiting for the promise, the hope, messianic hope and promise of the Messiah. And at times, they did not see God weaving in history and in their lives. And in the middle of the storm, if you put your eyes in the storm and you forget the one that is the grand weaver, like Peter, he was focused on the storm, you will sink. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the grand weaver, the hope, of Israel, you will stand strong. You will proceed to the goal. And who is this grand weaver? Paul knew that this grand weaver, he is personal. 
not a may the force be with you, not an impersonal grandy weaver, not an impersonal being, but a personal God. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. When the Holy Spirit, talking about a person, John 1.14, the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The wind does not dwell among us. Dwelt among us. Personal. This grand weaver is personal. He sees. He hears. He acts. We're not talking about image, an idol, a statue. No, we're talking about a God who's personal and sees everything. Hears everything. And in the right time, he acts. Not only is this grand weaver personal, he is also present. He's present. I'll date myself, but there was a song one time by, I think, Bette Midler. From a distance, God is watching you. Terrible theology. He's not distant. He is present. This grand weaver is present. At Athens, at the famous place, Areopagus, Paul, in his discourse, says, He did this so they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him. Though he is not Far from each one of us, not far. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are his offsprings. He said, even in your writings, you talk about this God, the unknown God, who is person, personable, and who is present. The one that you don't know about, the one that's not far from us, here's the one I want to talk to you about. Personal, present, but oh, he also knew that this God is powerful. The grand weaver is powerful. A few verses also in chapter 17 says, the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. The God who made the world and everything in it, and I might add, made everything out of nothing, out of nothing. I don't know how you spend your Saturdays, but some of my Saturdays I spent, like last 
night or in the morning part, building, don't laugh, but building doll beds. I had some scraps at the house, and my girls have been begging for me to build a bunk bed for their doll. And, you know, it made, it made me think. When I had the scraps, it wasn't an accident, and all of a sudden, I wish it was that easy. An explosion happened in my garage, and then I came back out. It was like, woo, what? I like that bunk bed. No. <laughs> it was sweat, and I do have some blood. I cut myself. There are some things that went on. But I had materials. I had scraps. I had things. And nobody would look at that and say, hmm, that came like out of an explosion. No. The word that is used that God created does not equate with me creating anything. He created out of nothing. He didn't even have scraps. He had absolutely nothing. And he created everything. This is a grand weaver who is powerful. Let's not forget that. He weaves everything. All things work together. God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. And the question is, why should he, Paul, knowing this, why should he be afraid? Why should he be afraid? When I read that passage in 2 Corinthians and I told you that it was in A.D. 56 when he went through all those things and he had said that he had been shipwrecked how many times? Three times at this point. Well, number four was about to happen. Number four just happened in verse 27. Because around 60 A.D., that's when this last trip to Rome happened. So he probably could have gone back and adapted this. Oh, by the way, wait, add a fourth one. Not only did the Apostle Paul feared this grand weaver, he also found his place in the grand story. God is weaving. At times, as said, behind the scenes, but from beginning to the end, it is his story. And he's working, and the Apostle Paul found his place in the grand story, meaning that at some time, by God's grace and mercy, God grafted him into this grand story. Speaking to Jews in Acts 13, he says this, and listen. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have any encouragement for the people, you can speak. Paul stood up 
and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites, and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people Israel chose our ancestors, made the people prosper during the stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out of it with a mighty hand. And for about 40 years, he put up with them. I find that interesting. He put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. After this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. From this descendant, from this man's descendants, as he promised, God brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. Do you see how he went back and he's starting to retell God's grand story? He backed up, and this is even to Jews. He went and backed up from the, their ancestor starting to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he starts to retell God's grand story. And in verse 23, here in our text, says he went, he talked to them. When he arrived at home, uh, in Rome, he was talking to them, and he called the Jews, the Jewish leaders, and he said, because of the chains, the hope, because of the hope, I am in chains. And he continues on, and eventually they set a time for him to expound or tell more about God. And 23, we pick up, it says, After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. He was in house arrest. From dawn to dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Paul is not, here, is not sharing the Roman road here. He's not sharing the four spiritual laws. No. Not saying that any of these things are bad, but many times we pick up the story two-thirds of the way. He backed up. And he wanted to share the whole story. What a stamina. At his age, at the end of the day, probably 5 o'clock, I just want to hit the bed. I am so tired. Paul was sharing God's story from dawn to dusk. And he was just keep going and going. He had more energy than the Energizer Bunny. He was just going and going and sharing. And did you notice that said... From the law and prophets. That's what they had up to this point. The New Testament had not been written. Just a few letters. A few epistles. And he explained the whole message. He found his place in the grand story. And he was delighted. He made it a passion. He was 
made it a point to share the whole story, not parts of it, the whole counsel of God. In Acts 14, he says, we are people also like you. This is in Lystra that they, uh, they mistaken Paul and Barnabas for gods. He says, no, 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 no. We are people also like you, and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and fill, filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Did you notice right here at the very beginning, we are proclaiming good news to you. And when we think in our days about proclaiming the good news, we were talking about Jesus came, he died, and he resurrected. That is the point, key point in the grand story, but it's not just that. I believe that we need to share God's, when we are sharing God's story, when we are sharing the gospel, it starts in Genesis, not in the New Testament. We ought to also have the concept of knowing that we were grafted, but also being able to explain God's grand story. And notice something else here. With the Jews, he backed up to Abraham. He backed up to the ancestors. Because they already knew that God created the world. So he didn't really need to back further. But when he was talking to Gentiles, to barbarians, to those that had no knowledge of God, he was here sharing the good news. And when he was sharing the good news, he also started in Genesis in the creation story. He shared that God created the heavens and the earth. And he's telling us here that and the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Why? Because he didn't just say, Paul could have just said, you know, Jesus was born. And then who is this Jesus? He's the one that created the heaven and the earth. He was there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word is God. He backed up. He presented the whole message, not just part of it. But also, he shared, once he, by the grace of God, he was grafted into God's grand story. And he saw and he understood that this grand story is not just for the Jews. This grand story is for the whole world. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And we see here and we understand that when he's talking about the gospel, he's not just talking about Jesus coming, dying, and resurrecting on the third day. No. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for some people who believe. Is that what it says? No. 
It says, for everyone who believes. First, to the Jews, to the Jew, and also to the Greek. The Jews divided the world in two, as far as people. Jews and non-Jews. The Gentiles. Well, Paul is saying, when he says the Jew and the Greek, he says, for everyone. He didn't say, well, if you have a certain shade of color, of skin tone, the gospel is for you. If you have a few zeros in your bank, the gospel is for you. If this or that, no, for everyone. And this grand story, not only he was sharing the whole message, but he understood that this is for the whole world, for everyone. And the question to you is, why would we then share part of the story? Why would we share with just some people? The Apostle Paul, not only did he find himself and he was, in a sense, found his place in the grand story, he also was fueled by, by the Grand Commission. Sometimes called Great Commission, but that would not rhyme with everything I was saying. He was fueled by the Grand Commission. Very well-known verse when we're talking about the Grand Commission. Matthew 28, all authority, Jesus speaking, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But go, therefore... Or as you are going and make disciples of all nations. Here it is again. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Not only is this considered part of one of the Grand Commission verses, but also going back to Acts. Acts 1.8 say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we see in Acts. It started in Jerusalem, then they went, they, the circle became wider, Judea, Samaria, and now the ends of the earth. To them at that time, the ends of the earth from Jerusalem, Spain was the end of the earth. The known world, we know that it goes much further than that. But it still applies to the ends of the earth. This is for all people. They need the gospel, the whole gospel, the grand story of God. Several people don't know who created the heaven and the earth. They don't know this grand weaver. 
and the Apostle Paul say, in saying that, being witnesses. And he was fueled by this grand commission. He would not stop. He didn't see it as a great suggestion. I will do it when things are better. When the lockdown is lifted, I will do it. When the pandemic is over, I will do it. When the repression from the communist party is kind of brought down a few notches, I will do it. That's not what Paul would say if he was here. He was fueled by the Grand Commission. And he believed that the Grand Commission was a priority. He kept going. He had gone through so many shipwrecks. He had been beaten. He kept going. Why? And because he saw it as a priority. In Corinthians, he says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Meaning, I didn't come with human knowledge and flowery things and just things that will help you. Oh, yes, you're going to have health and wealth. No. Or focus on anything else. He said, I decided to know nothing about you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was a priority for him. He did not stop. I've heard of people not long ago. I saw an image in, uh, on Facebook, people in Philippines. Their church building was flooded. They came. Water was up their knees. And they were standing there singing to the grand weaver, to their God. Why? Because it doesn't matter. We are so focused on our comfort that we forget we are easily distracted by the things that the world throws at us. That we forget this is a priority. Sometimes I hear and I get upset about certain things. Because I heard people throughout this pandemic said, how about grandma? Yes, it's good to be careful with grandma. But my question is, have you shared the grand story with grandma? Because it is one thing if grandma lives to be 80, 90, or even 100. It's a whole nother thing if she spends eternity away from God. In, in hell. It's a whole nother thing. So if you're not passionate about sharing the grand story with your grandma, spare me about protecting her from a virus. It should not be either or. We should be those that we lead with caution. Yes, but Remember the priority. Share the grand story with grandma, with your neighbor, with those that don't know this grand weaver. It was a priority. 
Whenever the primacy of the disciple-making, this is Peter's and Ellison saying, whenever the primacy of disciple-making and church planting have been replaced with efforts to eradicate the world's evil systems, diseases and oppressions, the global disciple-making activities of the church have foundered, failed. And on the flip side, we can observe that the regions of the world that have seen the greatest democratic reforms and social welfare in the last 300 years are those where missionaries focus most on personal conversion through the preaching of the gospel and least on social transformation. By the way, this quote is from three years ago. It's not from 2020. That's saying that we should focus on the grand commission, make it a priority. He continues, we do not oppose social transformation and holistic ministry, but we do not believe that they are the goal. Making disciples who birth the local church is the key to both evangelism and social transformation. Not only the, the Apostle Paul, not only was he fueled by the Grand Commission because he saw it as a priority, but he was passionate, passionate about this. In Timothy, he said a few, and this, in Timothy is one of the books uh, that came after this time of house arrest. So a few years later, he writes this, for I am ready... I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He sees that his time is coming to an end. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a man who's passionate about the Grand Commission. Why? Because he had seen in his life how it had changed him. At times we think, well, let's focus on what the government is doing, on social justice, on this, on charity. No, don't get distracted. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And he was so passionate about it. As I conclude, I would ask you, Based on this, the Grand Commission, why major in the minors? At times, we are majoring in the minors. We get distracted by other things that are not the Grand Commission. So why major in the minors? And my question, as you're thinking about these things, and I want you to think, because towards the end, before you leave, I want you to make a commitment and to actually say to the person next to you, to your spouse or to a friend, what is the commitment? I want you to leave here with a commitment for this week. So think about these things. Do you know and fear this grand weaver? Have you ever been grafted into this grand story of redemption? Are you committed 
or fueled by this grand commission. I'll ask the worship team to come as and for, and we sing. I want you to be stand. I want you to stand and think about these things. Please don't leave without a next step. This week, I am going to do this. This week, based on what I've heard, because the Bible was not given to us just so we would have head knowledge. The Bible was given to us so we know God and we will make him known. And as we sing any commitment, feel free to come forward. Pray also where you're seated if you're not comfortable with coming forward. But do not, do not just let this come one year and not have a personal committee. And before we end, I will share what I will personally commit to doing this week. Because it's important for you to hold me accountable. And next week for you to come and say, did this happen? So I want you to also think about these things and say it to your spouse, say it to your friends, say it to the people in your small group. So that you will be working to be accountable before God and before those that you do life together.